I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO to coaches of your favorite teams to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Dakota and today I'm here with Tiffany who traveled with us last month on our casting call to Mount Kilimanjaro. Thanks for being with us today, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. We're excited to discuss your adventure and all of your future adventures. So just to get started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So my name is Tiffany Yu, and I run a disability advocacy organization called Diversibility, which is focused on the celebration of the diversity of the disability lived experience. A lot of my work is based on my own lived experience. So I was involved in a car accident when I was nine years old, where my dad, who was driving, unfortunately passed away. And I acquired a form of paralysis that impacts my right arm, known as a brachial plexus injury. So I spend a lot of my time focusing on destigmatizing disability, trauma, and grief. Wow. How does like travel fit in with your work? Yeah. So, you know, I think a big part of working or being a disability advocate is leading by example. And mm-hmm. one, one form of that is, you know, I very much lead with vulnerability. I want people to be able to see the highlights, the lowlights and everything in between. But also, you know, travel actually only really entered my life recently. And I guess more specifically, I'll say adventure travel. And so, you know, after this car accident happened when I was nine and now I'm in my 30s, so it's been over two decades, I just did, I just kind of hid from the world Mm -hmm. um, and didn't really start discovering travel until maybe like 2015, like five years ago. But, you know, in college, I did study abroad uh, in China. My cultural background, my dad is Taiwanese and my mom is from Vietnam. And so um, kind of was tackling like that part of my identity on that trip. And then most of my more recent trips have been around kind of tackling what it means to be permanently disabled, but still well, Um, permanently disabled, but still healthy, permanently disabled, but still thriving. Okay. So you just started traveling, I guess, five years ago. Do you have a most memorable travel experience? Yes, I have two. Uh, The first is last year, and actually both of these happened last year. Last year was a really good good travel year. (laughs) Uh Um, And the first one was I went to Burning Man, which is this week-long event in the Uh desert. I'm not really sure how to explain it, but... um, you pretty much just pay to have a piece of the desert where you can put your tent and everything like that. And there's tons of different programming. You know, a lot of it really reminded me of Kilimanjaro, but you're just unplugged the whole time. Um, It's very hot and dusty. (laughs) And yeah, yeah, it was, and and I'll talk about this a little bit later, but it's really where I felt like nine-year-old Tiffany come out to play. And the way you get around Burning Man is via bicycle. And I haven't really biked that much since since I became disabled. And so acquiring a bike, um, finding one that fit me, I'm pretty petite as well. But then being able to explore the entire, they call it the playa, to explore the playa via bike. I actually learned on that trip that I just, my favorite moments were, were really just biking. 
during the early morning, biking with no destination in mind. Um, yeah, so, so first memorable trip was Burning Man. Highly recommend people to go. Uh, and if you do go to make an intention before you go. And then the second trip was, was to Iceland. And that happened in October of last year. It has been on my bucket list to go see the Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. Uh -huh. um, and Iceland to me was just the most beautiful celebration of nature and everything that the world has to offer. Um, and again, you know, felt nine-year-old Tiffany come out to play. I was hiking on ice glaciers, wearing these like crampons that had these like really obnoxious spikes on them, hiking through waterfalls. You know, we had three, three nights of our seven days there where we just, the sky was so green and it was, it was stunning. So awesome. have you been before? I actually was there a month before you in September. Some Northern lights. Unfortunately, it was cloudy the whole time, but they were there above the clouds, apparently. I didn't yeah. Get yeah. And, and I think that the most interesting thing I heard from other travelers in my group on that trip, that they were mm -hmm. like, if I don't see the Northern Lights, like this whole trip is ruined. But I think for me, like that was the least spectacular part about the trip. I mean, the country just in itself and, and how they have attempted to try and preserve so much of it was really impressive. And I have never spent so much time outdoors in, in that cold of temperature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is beautiful. And like, even though I didn't see the Northern Lights, there's so much more there. Awesome. Well, you've already started this year off with traveling about as much as last year. So tell us about your trip you did with us. Yeah, so I traveled to Mount Kilimanjaro, or I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro uh, with Akinella in February. Back in 2017, I decided last minute that I was going to hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I'd ever decided to do anything in a higher in a higher elevation. And so I live in San Francisco now, so I'm very accustomed to my life at sea level. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was really interesting kind of going into that Inca Trail trip because I didn't really know anything about preparation. I hiked the trail in sneakers. I did it in a backpack that didn't have a chest or a waist strap. Um, I didn't know what a hydration pack or a bladder was. Like, I didn't understand why people needed trekking poles. Um, so I just learned a lot about hiking on that trip. And a couple months afterward, another one of my friends um, did the Mount Kilimanjaro climb. And I kind of just became really intrigued by this whole community of people who just found it really exhilarating to hike these peaks, you know, whether it was the 50 state peaks in the U.S., whether it was the, the seven summits around the world. Um, so there was a little bit of a seed that was planted for Mount Kilimanjaro. And then interestingly enough, while I was in Iceland, I met this woman, Lisa, who had actually, uh, who had actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro during I think right around International Women's Day, so right around this time, a couple of years ago, and she was telling me about everything that she did to prep, and so then the seed was kind of replanted, you know, two years mm -hmm. later after this 2017 trip. And so I figured I'd probably do the Kilimanjaro trip, like every single year I try and do like one big trip. And so I figured it would probably be like my 2021 trip or somewhere way, way out into the future where I would like have more time to train. And so I got connected with Kylie and she told me about this February trip and why I needed to be on it. 
And I just, you know, decided on a whim. And at this time, it was December 2019, that the February 2020 trip was the one I was going to do. And with all this like holiday travel, I just knew, I just knew I wasn't going to have enough time to really prepare. But Mm -hmm. I also just know myself that no matter how much I prepared, I would just never be prepared. And I think that's like a good piece of advice that I would give to other people is that like, you just don't know how altitude is going to impact you, how a multi-day hike is going to impact you, how, you know, traveling to the other side of the world, even how that like travel journey is going to impact you and how you show up in the hike. So, um, but I will say that Iceland trip, and I know I've mentioned it a couple times now, was the first time that I just felt the most physically well that I have in my whole life. Um, And I think that a lot of my own personal journey has been around viewing my own physical wellness past my physical disability. And I think that so much of the narrative that I held was that because I had a physical disability, I just couldn't do any physical activity. So, you know, getting to bike at Burning Man or going on these glacier hikes in Iceland were really kind of steps in this journey of like Tiffany discovering what physical wellness looks like. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, so before the hike would not recommend it, but I actually, uh, this year has been incredible in terms of travel as well. So I kicked off the year with a trip to Vietnam, uh, with a trip to Cambodia. Um, and then the week before I left for Kilimanjaro, I was actually in Belize for kind of like a strategy offsite for my organization. And so I just like knew I had all these other trips planned. I tried to do as much like physical activity and outdoors stuff while I was in those places. But I also just knew I was just constrained by these work trips that needed to happen, the holidays that were also happening. Um, but I was also just excited about the potential to be part of this casting call. You know, I am not great at content. My, uh, it's funny, my, I only took one picture on Summit Day and then my phone died. So, <laughs> so I think just being, being able to like have, have Andrew and Trevor and the whole team there capturing and documenting parts of it were, were also an attractive part to me because it was like, if I'm going to hike Kilimanjaro, I think I would like, I think I would like it to be memorialized in a way that, you know, I can remember, but also hopefully inspires other people to, to want to explore this type of adventure as well. Of course. Yeah. You want to relive it again and also have other people live it. Yeah. You said you didn't really prepare physically, but was there anything that you did, even though you didn't do a lot? (laughs) Um, If I could do it all over again, what I would probably do is I would, um, I would do stair stepper, like if I didn't have access to stairs, well, San Francisco is a very hilly place. So I did have access to like hills mm-hmm. that I could do. But honestly, I think the biggest thing is just trying to do as much physical activity as possible. Um, and I'm the type of person I am, I walk everywhere. Um, and stairs are kind of like my jam. Um, and it's funny that I say that now because I was actually the slowest hiker, I think of everyone in our group. Um, so, so I don't know how much stairs are my jam, but like, I, I know that I can hike long distances without getting, you know, super fatigued. Um, so I knew, so it was interesting, you know, after summit day, I actually ended up getting a li- like pretty sick, um, and had to be like piggybacked and like, uh, carried on people's shoulders for, for part of the descent. And Kylie asked me, 
she asked me on our on our last day which and that that entire day was a descent and it was about 12 miles and she's like hey like i want to give you the option to take a car down because a couple of the other hikers decided they're like not in physical shape to like do that distance and i remember telling her i was like you know the idea of doing a 12-hour hike downhill like does not phase me at all like the distance doesn't phase me like i want to hike it Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because some of my most memorable moments of hiking Kilimanjaro were the descent. It was skiing down all the scree on the mountain on summit day. It was flying down with my trekking pole. Um, and again, you know, kind of just revisiting this like nine-year-old Tiffany, like as she was flying down this mountain, that's really when I saw her come out. And the reason why I've been mentioning this nine-year-old Tiffany is like I've been on this journey over the past couple of years of really tapping into this nine-year-old girl who experienced this pretty traumatic event and lost her childhood for a, for a good number of years. And part of how I am approaching my own grief journey is through play. And part of hiking Kilimanjaro, I mean, really, it was descending Kilimanjaro um, and going to Burning Man and like running around in Iceland have been, how can I let this little girl like have her moments? Um, to just run around and not be afraid of the world or and like wanting to be seen. So yeah, so pre-trip, I know that was very long-winded, but pre-trip, um, just trying to do as much physical activity as possible. I know, I know Kylie's written a blog post about this, about like running every day. Um, I'm not a runner. Uh, I'm a walker. <laughs> and, and so, so yeah, so while I was in Belize, like I did a couple hikes also pretty much at sea level, you know, we were staying at a place right by, right by the river. While I was in Cambodia, did like a pretty half day, pretty long half day bike ride around the different temples that are around there. I think that I could have done more, but I mean, honestly, I just know, I just knew going into the hike that number one, I'm a slow hiker. So I'm probably going to be trailing the back of the group. But I also know that like, I will, I will be able to get to whatever destinations we we will get to, but it just might take me a little bit longer. So do you want to go through, I guess, like the actual trek and uh, summit day? Yeah, I mean, I will say summit day was probably my most memorable of the whole trip. And I just had a I just had a, I, I guess I'll start with summit summit day because I had a lot of really big learnings that day that I have actually carried that I'm carrying out of the mountain with me as well. And the first was, I actually had a really beautiful moment as I was summiting, just like looking around at like our guides and our porters who were all men. And I had this moment of just really thinking about my dad. And um, before my dad passed away in the car accident, he was actually the one who took me biking at all. And I grew up in DC. So summers in DC are just so hot and humid. And he kind of had this like no excuses mentality with regard to physical activity. So even if I was like complaining about how hot and humid it was, we would wrap our water bottles in, um, in towels and go out for a really long bike ride, or we'd go out hiking, or we'd go swimming. Like he was the one who really gave me my sense of adventure. <laughs> and after he passed away, uh, my mom, you know, is actually the complete opposite. And part of this is, you know, coming from an Asian cultural background. So like, we don't like the sun. Uh, even if we go on a on a beach, even if we go to the beach, we're not even like going to the beach. We're just sitting, you know, in the hotel looking at the view. Um, and so uh, I just, yeah, I had this moment on the mountain where I just realized that it was my dad who gave me the sense of adventure. 
And I really just felt like my dad was there with me. Mm -hmm. um, and I know I mentioned this to you earlier, but I, I wrote something and I, and I did post this on Instagram about what Summit Day meant to me. And I'd love to read it to you. Oh, um, for sure. Yeah, please do. As um, I've been thinking about what I want to say about Summit Day, and I can't help but think about my dad. I don't talk about him much, and he was perfectly imperfect, but he was my dad. He was the one who first gave me my sense of adventure. I still remember our never-ending bike rides in the middle of humid D.C. summers. After he left this world when I was nine, everything stopped. The bike ride stopped. The adventure stopped. I stopped. I thought about my dad because of the men pictured and not pictured here who supported me on this climb. The mountain was hard on all of us in different ways, but we were still helping each other. I thought about what it would be like if my dad joined me on this climb. I thought about how proud he would be if he could see me summiting this mountain, me. In those final steps to Uhuru Peak with Dula and Curtis supporting me on each side, I knew my dad was with me too. This is for you, dad, I did it. Thank you for giving me my sense of adventure. I know it took me a while to find it again, but I'm grateful that you're here to remind me that I never lost it. So that was kind of like the biggest thing that happened to me on the mountain, which is <laughs> so, you know, it's just so beautiful. Um, and there were also, there were three other, three other lessons that I learned from Summit Day. Um, and I will preface it by saying that for people who have experienced childhood trauma, um, uh, I think certain medical professionals will call them adverse childhood experiences. Depending on what age it happens, you know, your brain is so malle malleable that it actually impacts the lens through which you see the world. Mm -hmm. And so one of the interesting things that happened was everyone, uh, the number one rule that all of our guides told us was to be positive. And so I kept telling myself that, you know, I kept trying to positively affirm myself but I knew that deep down my baseline narrative was pretty negative. And my baseline narrative was telling me things like, why did you decide to do this hike? Like you aren't fit. How come you didn't train more? You know, why are you even here? Things like that. And so I actually remember coming back from the whole trip and talking with my therapist about this. And I was like, I was just so, it really bothered me that I felt like I was so negative on this whole trip because you know, the number one rule was to be positive. Mm -hmm. and my therapist was like, Tiffany, you know, to be human is that you're going to have positive and negative thoughts. And what is more important is the action that you take out of it. And so what I think is really powerful here is that no matter what my, my like internal narrative and these messages of self-doubt and this negative self-talk was telling me, I still summited the mountain. Right. So the action was I still pushed through all of that negativity to like show up. So I wrote like even when you have doubts show up anyway. And then the other thing was there were so many moments where I was just caught in these like negativity spirals that, that like the day before summit day, I was 75 percent sure that I wasn't going to summit the mountain. And even Jonas, who was one of our main guides, was giving us the briefing. And the whole time, like my head was pounding partly because of the altitude, but also just because I was so panicked and anxious. And so the second lesson was like, even when you think you want to give up, just take it a step at a time, because literally it was like one foot in front of the other. Uh, and then the third lesson I learned, which I think I'm still trying to learn, um, is, you know, our guides and, and everyone who was there are 
literally are risking their own lives as well to help us to help us summit this mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like this idea of like, if your day pack is too heavy, ask someone to help you. You know, if you run out of water, see if someone else has water to spare. Um, so I wrote like, when the load you're carrying is too much, it's okay to ask for help. And this idea of just like being able to like surrender to the fact that you don't have to do all of this on your own. Like there's a whole team behind you and supporting you to make sure you're successful. I thought that was, yeah, I mean, those just like so many great learnings from the mountain. The coolest part about the whole hike in itself was just like how many different types of, I don't really know how to describe it, how many different like scenes you're in. So like the first day, it's all rainforest. And then Mm -hmm. the second day, you know, you're kind of like moving out into this like moon-like terrain. There are not that many plants around very limited bushes to go to the bathroom. (laughs) That was one thing I noticed on our, the day before summit day was I was like, there are no bushes to hide behind for me if I need to go to the bathroom. And then, yeah, I don't know. I mean, summit day, it's just, it is just so crazy and baffling to me that on two to three hours of sleep, you wake up at midnight to hike. And my summit day was 16 hours. So I was probably one of the, the longer Uh, slower hikers. Um, And me and three others, we were literally like the last people on the mountain that day. And I think that there's just something so powerful to me about, number one, a 16-hour hike is pretty brutal, but a 16-hour hike from 15,000 to 19,000 feet is, makes it even more difficult. But I just love the significance of like, thinking about this like 30-year-old woman who's like trying to channel her, her inner child just being the last one playing on this mountain that day, that, that was really beautiful to me. I am very grateful. So again, you don't know how altitude, how the altitude is going to impact you. Um, I started exhibiting altitude sickness symptoms like a headache or nausea a day or a day or two before summit day. I feel super grateful that I felt well enough to successfully summit and then come back down. But once I got back down, I started feeling really unwell. And the coolest part, I don't know, there were just so many cool parts about it. We, we summited on, under a full moon, which meant that the day after was a moon rise. And it was the most beautiful orange moon rise I had ever seen. And the funniest part about it, I guess not really that funny, but to me, now in retrospect, was I saw the moon rise sitting on on one of our porters and our guides shoulders because i uh i didn't feel well enough to make to make that two-hour hike back down to a lower elevation mm-hmm. and i just remember looking at it you know sitting on on these guys shoulders and i was like nature is so beautiful like i feel horrible right now <laughs> <laughs> but just the fact that like the moon rises and the sun rises and the sun sets like this natural cadence of how the earth moves, like it's always there. Like how can we always remember and remind ourselves to root ourselves in the fact that just like the beauty of this world and the beauty of nature just never gets old. Thank you for sharing all that. I've interviewed a few people who went on that, that trek to Mount Kilimanjaro. And I feel like the theme of everyone is kind of like perseverance, positivity, rediscovering yourself. So thanks again for sharing all of that.
For sure. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest thing for me was I just felt like this, this Kilimanjaro trek felt like a life reset that I didn't know that I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, You are just forced into the most bare, raw version of yourself. You're not thinking about Instagram or who's following whom or who's posting what or work because literally all you can do is just put one foot in front of the other. Awesome. I'm excited for the episode to be ready and we can watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited too. I feel like there was a moment during the filming where I was like, I feel like a negative Nancy. Mm. And then one of the one of the other people were like, Tiffany, you're just saying what everyone else is thinking. And yeah, I think to like have the learning that like, because I do come from a place that is unfortunately or fortunately rooted in trauma, like that, that is how that shows up, even as an adult. Um, and how can I kind of work through that narrative um, in, an, in as intense an environment as hiking Kilimanjaro? Awesome. Well, thank you again for telling us about Kilimanjaro any places that you uh, dream to travel to any bucket list items yeah so um, so interestingly enough as I've mentioned I always try and do one big trip per year and my big trip for this year is I'm actually going to the Galapagos Islands in November oh cool so it's so I guess Kilimanjaro is my other big trip in addition to the other big trips <laughs> um, lots of big trips just happening I do want to be cognizant of the fact that you know we are in the midst of um, of coronavirus um, and I am thinking of everyone uh, who is affected by it and I am noticing that a lot of my my own travel aspirations are being impacted right now as well mm-hmm. um, but yeah I'm excited I'm, I'm hoping that you know um, things, things will get better. Uh, but yeah, I do have this Galapagos trip planned. Also on my bucket list, I would love to head to Antarctica. I'd love to head to Bhutan, which I believe Kylie is there right now. Um, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, there's just so much to see in this world. I think the more that we have the opportunity, and I understand that so much of this is coming from a place of privilege as well, but like every single time I travel to a new country, I gain some new insights around how, you know, how my life is, lessons I learn about the way I live and things I can be doing differently. So yeah, any, any experience to hop on a plane or go on a bus or, or see something new, I'm, I'm always excited about. Awesome. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, your big trip this year was Galapagos and I was like, um... Kilimanjaro wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> I know Kil- the Kilimanjaro, it just like happens. But it's mm-hmm. it's so funny because no matter when you decide to do it, it will be the right time that you needed it. And everything about it just felt like expedited and like I felt very unprepared, but it was exactly what I needed. And the timing of when it happened like couldn't have been more more timely given, you know, the current public health situation that we're in right now. Yeah. Well, uh, we'd love to have you travel with us again. And for our people listening, um, we're just wondering where can people find you the easiest, whether on social media or a website? Sure. Yeah. So the best place to find me for my most unfiltered views on life and my travel adventures <laughs> is on Instagram. And my handle is the letter I, the letter M, Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, and my last name, Y-U. So it's I'm Tiffany U. Okay. 
Awesome. Um, we'll uh, we'll put that definitely in the blog and the transcription in the show notes for people who are reading and want to listen. So thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure traveling with Akinella. Oh, awesome. Good to hear that. And we'd love to have you again. Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.